Welcome to the Eastside Church Podcast. We're a community-driven church based in Charlotte, North Carolina, and invite you to join us on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. For more information, visit our website, eastside.co. Hey, it's great to be with you. If you have your Bibles, go with me to Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12 is where we're going to get things rolling. It is great to be with you. Um, my sister did leave out a few adjectives like better looking, smarter, funnier, all those things are, are, are aptly true, but uh, uh, that's all right. Hey, it, it's great to be here. This is a little bit of a, uh, feels a little bit like home to me. Uh, my wife, Amber, and I, we have, we have three kids, and it was about 13 years ago this November, 14 years ago this November, uh, where we got married, packed up a car, moved here, and uh, started serving here at Eastside Church. We were here for about four and a half years before we were ever in this facility. We're down the road running space at the Shriners Club. I don't even know if the club is still there or not, uh, but that's where we had services, and uh, it was a lot of fun. We moved here. God, God's been doing some things, so it's great to see so many faces that are familiar and so many new faces as well as I know God's been doing some great things here and uh, it's great to, to be here and, and it truly is kind of a, a joy and an honor. We're going to get into the word if that's all right. Can we do that? Uh, I promise I talk fast and you can listen fast. It, it can be done and uh, God's going God's gonna to speak some things to us in Hebrews. Uh, we're going to kick things off here in Hebrews 12. Uh, I'll share with you the message, of the, the title of the message here in a little bit. This is something that the Lord has been speaking to me about. In fact, some of the content of this message I preached uh, a week ago at our church at New Hope Worship Center there in Concord as we kicked off a series. Um, but the Lord kind of led me to kind of come from a different direction this week as I was just seeking Him and praying Him, uh, asking Him what He wanted to say to us today. And so we wanna, I want to jump into Hebrews 12, and we're going to use that as a springboard this morning, and uh, then, we'll, then we'll dive into some things. Hebrews 12, verse 1, are you there? Awesome. It says this, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin that so easily ensnares us. Everybody say, lay it aside. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Everybody say, weary and discouraged. I thought it was interesting that he said, don't become weary and discouraged in your souls. He didn't say that your spirit would be sad or, or that anything. He says, no, no, it's in your soul. It's in your mind, your will, your emotions, that it's possible for you to become weary and discouraged. You ever walk through life and you find yourself at a moment where you're like, wait a second, this isn't quite going the way that I thought it should. Uh, we're not quite hitting on all our cylinders. My finances aren't where I wanted them to be. My, my kids aren't where, they, where, where, where I thought that they would be. I, I'm, I'm 26 and I'm still single. I didn't think that I'd still be in this 
place. I, I thought by now on this job, things would be different. I, I thought that my relationship with my spouse would be a little bit, uh, I don't know, more sweet and pleasant than what it is. I, 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 I thought that this and that, and sometimes we look at our lives and we look at, at what God is doing around us and we look at what his word says and we're sitting there and we're looking back at ourselves, we're saying, I'm just a little bit discouraged in my soul. I'm a little sad. It's, it's not quite the way I wanted it to be. I'm not living the way that I think God would, I think that God has more for me, but I, I don't know how to get there. I don't know where there is. I, I just, I want to experience God. I want to have his fullness. I want those things, but I'm just not there. And I think sometimes it's because we find ourselves being weary and being discouraged in our soul. And the writer is writing to us and says, take heart so that you don't become weary and discouraged. And he goes on to say, yet have not resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons or daughters. And it says, my son. Do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son who receives him. Now, you might be sitting there thinking, wait a second. I thought we weren't supposed to get discouraged and weary, and now you're talking about chastening us and dis disciplining us. And like, we're, that's, that's not, those two things are, uh, seem odd at each other. I don't, I don't want to be weary, and I really didn't really want to be chastened and, and corrected. Why in the world would he tell us that he wants us to, to be chastened or be corrected? Because if there are things in our lives that we don't correct, we become weary and discouraged. What are the things that, that would make us be weary and discouraged that would even need and require us to be chastened? It's found in verse 1 where it says that you need to lay aside weights and sins. See, it's the weights and the sins in your life that lead you to a point where you recognize one day, I don't have hope like I used to. Something is missing. And it's when the Lord comes alongside us and brings some corrective words, where he brings some encouragement, some admonishing, some chastening. The Bible says that we should love those moments when the Lord speaks to us that way. Why? Because it's going to help produce something in us that no longer makes us feel weary or discouraged, and it's going to allow us to lay aside the weights and the sin. Everybody say, lay it aside. Today, I want to talk to you on that subject, lay it aside. As we look to the Word of God to lay aside the things that might be keeping you and me from running our race. To running and doing the things that God has called you to do. To be in the lane. To finish like you want to finish. To, to succeed like you want to succeed. To run the race with endurance but it requires us to lay it aside. Let's pray together. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that it's alive, that it's active, it's moving. Speak to us today, God, in these next few minutes. Lord, as we open your word, I pray, Lord, that it would not only reveal Jesus to us, but God, I pray that it would reveal to us like a mirror reflecting back at us the contents of our hearts so that we can be encouraged rather than walking discouraged, so that we can walk uh, full of energy rather than weary and tired. God, I pray for those that are in this room that they might find themselves in that exact place where they're looking at their lives and they feel like hope is gone, where hope has been seeping out and they don't feel encouraged. They feel a little more discouraged and weary. God, I pray today that you would bring encouragement to us and life as we read your word. Open our hearts and our ears to hear in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. I am a little bit of a competitive person. I don't like to lose. 
at anything, actually. I, I don't know if you can, can relate to this. Um, uh, when, when we uh, play games at home with the kids, like my wife and I, we have three kids, and uh, we love to play games and have fun, but we play to win. In fact, I have one, one goal, uh, one goal, one objective when I play these games with my kids, nine, five, and three. That, that's how old our kids are. And I have one goal, total domination and make them cry. Like, that's that's it. I totally want to dominate and make them weep because they lost. Like, that's the goal. I'm just kidding. That's not, it's not really the goal. Some of you are like, this is a sadistic dad. This is crazy. No, I don't want my kids to cry. It's my wife who needs to feel the pain. I'm a bit of a competitive person. In fact, when I was in college, we, uh, in Bible school, we, we, we had these days that they called mandatory fun within this intern program that I was in. And uh, these mandatory fun days were indeed mandatory, and some of them were fun. Uh, and, but we had to participate and have a good attitude, so we played. One particular time, we played this game called uh, Prison Ball Deathmatch 9000. That's right. Prison Ball Deathmatch 9000. The testosterone in the room just went up just by the title of the game alone. It was a fun version of dodgeball with a few variations. Things like once you got hit, you had to go to the other team's prison, which was behind their side, and you could get out of prison. It was possible to be free from prison. And the way it works is somebody from your team has to throw the ball all the way behind everybody else, and while being in prison, and you catch the ball, therefore being set free, and you're no longer captive, but now you're able to go free and uh, continue to play. There's another way you could do it. You could throw up kind of a prayer shot from your side and make it in the basketball goal on the other side of the full court. So this is like half court, full court shot. If you could make the basket, if the ball would go into the hoop, everybody in prison got to go free. Like, everybody got to go free on your team. It was awesome. Never happened, but it would have been awesome to see. We were playing this Prison Ball Deathmatch 9000 one time, and I, I was kind of getting into it. I'd like to, to, to win, don't like to lose. Took a ball, threw it, sailed it. I mean, I whizzed it. It was going quick and fast, flying through the air, perfect trajectory, and smack, hit somebody right in the face. It was a girl. They didn't cry, I don't think. But it was an illegal shot, only neck and below counted, and I got frustrated. Frustrated for two reasons. Number one, the throw that I had that was awesome didn't count, right? Wasted throw. Somebody got hit in the face, didn't count. Didn't like that. I wasted time. Then secondly, I didn't like it because I got called out, and they said, hey, don't hit in the face. Keep it below the neck. You do it again, you're out. I, that just kind of made me mad. I, I don't like to be called out in front of other people. I like to win, not a loser. I'm a winner. I don't believe in trophies for everybody, only the winners. Like, this is, like, this is the real deal. Sorry, that's another subject. We'll hit on it later. So I, we kept playing the game. I threw the ball again, whizzing through the skies, through the air. Everything is going. I'm like, yes, it's a kill shot. It's going to be awesome. Smack! Right in the face again. Same girl. She starts to cry. I get kicked out of the game, have to run laps. I run them super fast because I'm really mad. And I had to go and apologize. I apologized to the best of my ability. Pretty was, was a pretty lame apology, I would admit. She finally stopped crying. Two years later, I married her. That's right. Yeah, see, for those of you that are single, I don't recommend that as a pickup option. Like, just would stay clear of that. I hate to lose. I'm pretty competitive. 
What if what I call competitive, God calls pride? What if I call it one thing in my life, I call it a personality trait, but God calls it a weight and a sin? Weights and sins easily entangle us, and God comes to set us free from those things. He wants us to lay them aside. I know you're sitting here and you're thinking, you know, you know, Pastor, um, this is, this is a, a church. Most of us love God. We're here because we want to be here. Like, we love God. We, we're following God. Like, like, we're on this race. We got it. We're, we're not really getting trapped up by the devil. I mean, that's not really the thing for us. Can I, can I just encourage us? This letter, this group, this section of scripture that we read in Hebrews 12, it was written to people like you and to me who are already running the race. And he says, lay aside every weight and sin that so easily tries to trip you up. And don't despise the chastening of the Lord. Don't, don't do it, but lay it aside. Can I just say, as believers, we are not immune to the enemy's tactics. You're not immune to the enemy's attacks. You're, you're not. John 10, 10 says that the thief comes for one reason, to steal, kill, and destroy your life. If that comes by way of bondage, stronghold, weight, or sin, he's going to do everything that he can do to trip you up so you don't run the race that God intended for you to run. But Jesus comes on the scene and says, this is what the enemy's trying to do, but I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. Jesus comes alongside and says, I understand that the enemy has tried to throw weights, sins, trapments, snares in your life. I've come to help you overcome those and to set you free. Jesus came to set us free from those things. We all need to be set free. Everyone in this room, we have things, if we're honest, if we're, we're willing to pause long enough and ask the Holy Spirit, there are weights or sins in your life that are holding you back from running the race that God has for you. They might be a little more obvious things like bondages. You might say like addictions, habits, patterns of thinking, lust, destructive behavior. Those are sins that easily entangle us and trip us up. But you might have more in the category of weights, things that are a little bit less visible that go on in your life. Weights that kind of are just slowing you down. They, they don't totally have you trapped, but they, they're slowing you down. Things, things like personality traits like a temper, jealousy, envy, gossip, negativity, pessimism. These are things that sometimes creep up in our life and we're not even aware of it and they begin to latch a hold of our lives and they cause us to not run the race that God has for us. And we get tripped up by these things and Jesus is writing to us today and he's encouraging you and he's encouraging me saying, lay it aside. You don't have to be held by those things. What I called uh, just a competitive nature, God really was trying to address pride in my life. And has been. See, what, what you might call one thing as a personality trait, or you might think that it's just a generational thing. Well, this is how my mom acted, therefore this is how I have to act. That's not true. Jesus came to set you free. You don't have to be bound that way. You might, you might think that the certain path and a certain lane that you have to run in because of your, where you came from, the side of the tracks that you were born in, the hand that you were dealt, but you don't have to. 
God says you can be set free from those things and weights and sins are trying to trip you up and God's saying, I want to set you free. We can lay those down. There are three, three things that help us in this journey as we lay some things down. I want to give them to you real quick. Number one is this. The blood of Jesus paid for your freedom. The blood of Jesus paid for your That attitude, that thought process, that addiction, that habit, God paid for your freedom. Jesus paid the price through his blood for your freedom. First uh, John 1, 7 says, but if we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all those sins. Hebrews 9 and 14 says, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Hebrews 9, 22 says, and according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of our sins. The blood of Jesus paid for your freedom. See, sin is the starting block for bondage in your life. Sin is the starting point where things begin to go awry, where weights and sins begin to attach themselves to you. The blood of Christ is the starting point of your freedom, though. His blood sets you free. He paid the price. See, the blood of Christ answers a very specific question for us. Am I worthy to be set free? The answer to that question is yes, because Jesus paid with his precious blood the price necessary to set you free. He paid the price to get the key to unlock the things that have bound and held you back. The blood of Jesus sets you free. He sets you free. Here's the second thing. If you take a note, you can, you can maybe write this down. See, it's the, the blood of Christ paid for our freedom, but it's the Spirit of God that leads us into our freedom. It's the Spirit of God that walks with his hand in hand to, to walk the path to, to the point where freedom is found, where he leads us to the point of discovering the lies that the enemy has spoken to us, to where we grab a hold of him and we discover the truth of who he is. Galatians 5.16 says, walk in the Spirit, or walk with the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. In other words, when you're walking with the Spirit, when the Holy Spirit is beginning to speak to you and prompt you and move you and nudge you, well, it's in that moment that you find yourself in a place where he's leading you to be free. The Holy Spirit wants to lead you to a place where you're not bound by lust anymore. The Holy Spirit wants to lead you to a place where anger is not your go-to reaction, where you don't go from zero to ticked off in under three seconds. Like, like that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. He wants to lead you to a place where every word that comes out of your mouth is seasoned with the love of God. The Holy Spirit is the one that leads you to the point where you're reading things on Facebook and you're getting frustrated because people are misunderstanding and misinterpreting and they're saying this matters and that matters and you're just getting upset more and more. The Holy Spirit is the one that tells you not to hit send on the thing that you're about to send, right? That's the Holy Spirit. He's leading us to a place where we walk free. It's the Holy Spirit that allows us, he nudges us and speaks to us in a way that that we don't react the way that we want to react. We don't gossip as our first go-to. That, that's not what we're about. We're, where it changes the dynamic and the character of who we are. Jesus wants to set you free and me free. And it's up to us to begin to lay it aside. Lay aside the weights. Lay aside the sins. Not all of it is a sin. There are some things that you're walking through that are not God-honoring in your life, but they're not sin. But they're holding you back. They're slowing you down. 
It's time to lay those things aside. The Holy Spirit comes in our lives and he leads us to this place of freedom. He wants to produce in us the fruit of the Spirit. Have you heard about these? In Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to lead you into to where that is a product of your life. Can I ask you a question? Are there any area in your life where you are fruit deficient? Is there an area of your life where you are less patient than what you know you need to be? Right? Are you in a place in your life where you have less peace than you know God wants you to have? Is there an area in your life where love is not your first reaction? Where are you fruit deficient in your life? The Holy Spirit wants to lead you to a place where the fruit that he produces in you is evident to other people. Might I suggest that if there is an area where you are fruit deficient, where there is a fruit of the Spirit not being evident in your life to the people around you, that maybe, just maybe, that's an area where God wants to do a work in your heart so that you can lay aside the weight and the sin that's hindering the fruit from producing. I know you're sitting there thinking, yeah, but, but I just don't have a lot of that in me. Do you have the Spirit of God in you, or do you not have the Spirit of God in you? There is nothing wrong with the seed that's been planted in your life. It's simply a matter of us allowing the Holy Spirit to produce that fruit in our life. You can't produce more love in your life. You can't do it. It's not the fruit of you. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's the Spirit's job to produce that work in your life. You can't just sit there Peaceful, 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 and pop, comes out peace, right? That's not what's going to pop out. Like, that's not happening. That's not the fruit. That's not how. You can't make the fruit grow. You can't be more fruity all by yourself. Well, you may could, but that's another subject. Right? The fruit of the Spirit comes out in your life because He's doing a work in your life that you're yielding to. That you're letting go of. You're saying, you know what? Yep, I'm not going to hit sin. Nope, I'm not going to yell. 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 Breathe. And you choose not to walk in anger in that moment. I'm going to be at peace. I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to worry. I refuse to worry. It's not from God. I'm not going to be anxious about anything. But in everything, I'm going to give prayer and supplication to the Lord. And in that moment, what's the Holy Spirit doing? He's beginning to produce in you the fruit that needs to be evidenced in your life. The Holy Spirit wants to lead you into freedom. If there's an area where you are fruit deficient, it might be an area where you have a weight or a sin that the God is trying to get removed from your life so that that fruit can grow. There's nothing wrong with the seed. It's in your life. It's just the soil with which we've got to work with to allow that to be produced in our lives. Is this making sense? Is this good? Because I can, I can, we can go on. I mean, we can stop. We can go back. The Holy Spirit wants to lead you in to freedom. Here's, here's the third thing. It's three points because it's a sermon, and that's how the Holy Spirit moves is with three points, and then the music will play, and everybody's life will change right here. Point number three. First one, we said that the blood paid for the freedom. It's the Spirit of God that leads us into freedom. Here's the third one. Daily fellowship with the Father protects that freedom. 
that area that God's been working on you, that area where you begin to see fruit in your life, that area where you're progressing, that area where you've had victory over lust for 10 straight days and you haven't really felt succumb to that, that area that, that you've been growing in, freedom. Daily fellowship with the Father protects that in your life. It keeps the enemy at bay in your life. It helps you to continue down that path of growth. It helps you to continue lay those things aside, to continue to set aside the sin and the weights that's holding you down and holding you back. It's that time with the Lord, that daily fellowship with the Father. What is daily fellowship with God? What, what does that look like? Let me give you three things. Again, because God works in threes. Prayer, worship, and word. Word, worship, prayer. Prayer, worship, and the word. Prayer is, is an opportunity for you to have a conversation with God, allowing him to be honest with you about the weights and sins and you being honest about the areas where you need to be set free. It's just a conversation that you have with God. Sure, prayer is an opportunity for you to express the needs and the things that you need from God, but prayer is much more than a laundry list of demands to God Almighty. It's a conversation that he wants to have with you. Can I just... Be transparent for a minute with you. One of the things that I've been praying to the Lord about, one of the conversations that God and I have been having back and forth is with this issue of gentleness in my life, especially when it comes to gentleness with my kids. See, because my first reaction to my kids when they're not doing what they're right or they're not doing exactly the way I want them to do it or I, they're not doing it how I would want them to do it, but they're doing it their own way, my words come out less gentle than they need to be. You want to know how this became evident to me? Because when I sat back and I listened to how my kids started talking with each other, guess how it sounded? Less than gentle. It wasn't gentle. And it was in prayer with the Lord where I just began to say, God, help me. Help me be more gentle with the words that come out of my mouth towards my kids. Please, God, help me. Help me today put a governor on my mouth that, that everything that comes out sounds much more gentle to them. I don't want to be a harsh dad. The dad voice doesn't need to come out all the time. God, forgive me. Help me. And I was just honest with the Lord, and the Lord began to be honest with me. Talk to me about why I was so short, why I was this. And he began to have, we had a conversation back and forth. Why? Because he wants me to be free. He wants my kids to be free. He doesn't want them walking in a life where they aren't gentle with other people, where they're rude all the time. See, it's not just about you, and it's not just about me. Your freedom matters to other people. If hurt people hurt people, freed people free people. You can't be bound and set anybody free. God wants you to be free. He wants your heart to be set right. He wants you to be in a place where you are allowing the Holy Spirit to do a work. And in this daily time with the Father, that's where it continues in growth and it protects the growth that's happened. Prayer is a big part of it. Here's the, here's the other one, worship. We said it already, worship. A few moments with God and it sets everything right for your day. It is impossible for you to cuss somebody out and sing praise to God at the same time. Can't do it. It's impossible for you to be lusting in your mind and singing worship to the Lord. It just won't happen. Why? Because your words coming out of your mouth form your thoughts. It's not the other way around. But when your words no longer are coming out loud of your mouth praising God, now your thoughts can go anywhere you want. I just got really deep. I'll back back up. When you spend time in worship with the Lord, he's beginning to pour into you a presence and a power in your life that allows you to sustain. He's filling you for what you need for that day. It's his presence that does it. 
It's his presence that does it. I have an Apple Watch uh, that my wife and my parents bought me for Christmas. My wife did it because she loves me. My parents did it because I'm their favorite. And one of the cool things about this Apple Watch is it, it has the ability to receive text messages right on the watch. And so I can just at a glance see who's texting me. And if I would like to, I can quickly hit reply and send a reply right from my watch. I could record it with my voice. That's kind of techy and cool. Or I could just scroll through a list of pre-programmed responses, hit that, and it sends, it, and it sends my response immediately right there. Things like, no worries. That's one of my favorites. Absolutely, sounds great, wonderful, thank you, exclamation point, happy face, right? All of these are pre-programmed on my watch. I pre-programmed them so that those responses are available when I need them. Case in point, a few weeks ago, uh, it's a couple of months ago now actually, uh, I was coming into work, I got a text message asking me to do something that I had no desire to do whatsoever as I was coming into the office that day. I'm a pastor, yes, but I'm a human too. I had no desire to do this task that was asked of me. I didn't think it was my job, I didn't, I didn't really care to do it. And I was scrolling through on my watch, my pre-programmed responses, and I hit the one that said, absolutely, with a smiley face. I didn't feel like smiling. I didn't really want to say absolutely. But I understand this, that in that situation, I'm not the authority. I am under authority. Therefore, it has already dictated to me what my response should be. It's not a do I want to or do I not want to. It's a yes, sir, yes, ma'am, no, sir, no, sir moment. And so I just sent the pre-programmed response. Some of you are like, well, that is so unauthentic. No, no, it's not fake. It's called faith. I've predetermined how I'm going to respond to certain things. Why? Because I've spent time with the Lord. He's downloaded his presence. In his presence is fullness of joy. I've predecided to walk in joy today. Why? Because I spent time in his presence. Some of us need to rewrite some of the programming that we automatically respond with. How does that happen? Spending time in the presence of God pre-programs, reprograms the things that you want to say when you, when you don't even feel like it. Things that you know is the right thing to say. Uh, something that would be a God-honoring response. And you program things. Things like, you're right, honey. Great pre-programmed response. Just saved your marriage. You're welcome. Yes, dear. I would be happy to, right? Just, just write it. Write it in. Send it away. Enjoy a happy marriage, right? Like it's it's possible. What is your auto response when things happen in your life? Does it reflect the fruit of the Spirit or does it reflect something different? Time in worship with the Lord protects that from, so that our responses are God-honoring in every situation. Here's the third one, the Word of God. Prayer, worship, the Word. John 8, 31 and 32 says this, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If there's an area in your life where you need to be set free, where there's a weight or a sin, it's the word of God that you know that helps you become free. That word know in the original language is the word gnosko. It speaks of as a man would intimately know his wife. It's that kind of intimate knowledge fully acquainted with. In other words, it's not just the word that you hear on Sunday. 
It's not the thing, the verse of the week that you tweet out from your Bible app on your phone. It's not just that. It's the word that you intimately have awareness and knowledge of that speaks to you and forms the thoughts that you have and forms who you are and it shapes your life. That's the truth that sets you free. That's the truth that sets you free. The enemy... His greatest tactic in your life to get you bound and to hold you back with weights and sins is lies and deceit. Lies and deceit, lies and deceit, lies and deceit. The Bible refers to Satan as the father of lies. He is incapable of producing anything other than something that is a lie or a deceit. Incapable. Nothing can be produced from his life other than lies and deceits. Lies and deceits, lies and deceits. Here's how it works. He plants seeds into your life, a simple lie that he whispers that leads to a pattern of thinking. That pattern of thinking leads to a decision. That decision leads to a pattern of living. That pattern of living leads to a place where you are bound either in sin or restricted by a weight and the fruit of the Spirit can't grow out. Here's how it looked in my life. Can I just, can I continue to be transparent? Would that be all right? Here's one. Um, Insecurity in my life. I was insecure. It started like this. Here was the lie that I heard. If you appear perfect, people will praise you. If you appear perfect, people will praise you. So I began to put on the face that I know everybody needed me to be so that praise would come my way. Insecurity was the root behind the pride that masked itself in competitiveness. When God began to deal with the insecurity in my life, he had to address this one lie. If you appear perfect, people will praise you. And I had to make a determination that I didn't care about the praises of people. I just wanted the applause of heaven. And when I began to unseed that lie in my life, it came about, why? Because there was a truth of God's word that was greater than the lie that the enemy whispered to me. Here was another one. Uh, I had a fear of failure that started out in my life like this. If you disappoint people, you won't have friends. That was the lie that the enemy whispered. He whispered that to me again and again and again. It crippled me with fear. About a year and a half ago, God began to unwind this area of bondage, this weight in my life. I was afraid to do anything risky because I was afraid to fail. I didn't want to step out in faith. I wanted to play it safe. I made decisions in my life, in my ministry, in my marriage, all based out of fear, and I called it faith and wisdom. But it was a fear of failure because I didn't want people to be disappointed in me. The enemy shows up at inopportune times in your life and he whispers lies to you. I remember one time my mom had relayed a story to me where as a boy, I didn't put away my clothes correctly. Any moms of boys out there, uh, maybe you can relate. They just kind of throw them in the drawer and shut the door, right? That's kind of, some of you are like, my husband still does that. What are you talking about, sons, right? Like, like put it in and shove My mom came and she said one time, she looked at me and said, Matthew, I'm so disappointed in you. And she said, I broke and I cried and like, I never again put my clothes away incorrectly ever again. Why? Because I didn't want anybody ever to be disappointed with me. Was it wrong for her to correct me on how I put my clothes away? No, not at all. That wasn't it at all. But the enemy took advantage of an opportunity and planted a seed of a lie that set me on a pattern that I listened to that lie long enough that I no longer was willing to risk anything for God because I was afraid. Because if I disappointed people, I would be alone for the rest of my life. Do you see how the enemy works? Here's my question. What lie have you believed in your life? 
What lie has the enemy whispered at an inopportune moment that has created a pattern of thinking, something that's created a pattern of decision-making in your life to where now you are fully dependent on that substance, but you don't need to be, to where you're fully somebody who lashes out in anger immediately because you don't know how to control it anymore, to where you're somebody that when you're alone and by yourself, you can't help but lust after something that's not yours. What is it in your life? What is the lie that spoke to you where the enemy has held you back? I'm going to invite Michael to come up, and he's going to begin to play. Check out what Galatians 5.1 says. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us, what? Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled, what's that word? Again, with a yoke of bondage. Who is he writing to? Believers, again. You've been set free by Christ. His blood sets you free. The price has been paid. You're free. You're free. You're free. But don't get entangled again. When you spend time with the Lord, when you, have, when you neglect fellowship with the Lord, when you neglect listening to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, it's easy as a Christ follower, somebody who loves God, wants to run the race, is wanting to please God with everything in you, you can find yourself still trapped and need to be set free. I've been in full-time ministry now for over 13 years. I need to be set free still. There are things in my life that I know aren't God's best for me, and I need him to set me free. He's the only one that can do it. He's the only one that can set us free. Freedom is a process. Your spirit was saved and set free immediately, but your soul still needs to be set free. You need to lay aside things, weights and sins. Again, not every weight is a sin. There are some things that, that, are, that really are just, you would call them personality traits, but God would call them something that's hindering your growth and hindering the fruit of the Spirit from being evidenced in your life. God wants us to run a race. That's what we read, Hebrews 12. Run the race. It requires that you lay some things aside. What's the race that we're on? Can I tell you what it is? It's a race running towards the brokenhearted, towards those who are bound. It's running towards other people who need to be set free. It's running towards people who who are lost and hurting and broken, who need Jesus. It's, it's a race that leads us to a place where we're crying out, rain, come down. An intercessory prayer that, that says, God, we want to see your spirit move, not so that we get these uh, goosebumps and we feel good about our Christian selves, but so that people who are broken can be made whole, so that blind people can see, so that lame people can walk, so that people who are, who are walking in darkness can see the great light of Jesus Christ. That's the race that we're on, folks. It's the race to see people saved, set free. Hebrews 12 goes on to say, Hebrews 12 and verse 12, it picks up. Check this out. Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. In other words, strengthen those hands and those arms of the people that, that just aren't, you're weary still. You're tired of struggling. 
You're tired of having the same thing. You're tired of having to apologize again for losing your temper. You're tired of, of being gossiped about because you've sown so many seeds of gossip. You're tired of, of, of hurt and brokenness and frustration. You're, you're tired of dealing with the lust. You're tired of dealing with the bondage. You're, you're tired of being dependent upon a glass of wine every night to unwind. You're tired of it. You're weary about it. You want to run the race that God has for you. Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down, the feeble knees. Make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame might not be dislocated, but rather be healed. Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Why do we need to be set free in our lives? So that we can walk with peace and holiness so that other people can what? See the Lord. There's so many things in our lives where we're not pursuing holiness. But we sure like to talk like we do on Facebook. He says pursue holiness and pursue peace. You want to know why we're having a hard time being peacemakers in society today? Where people feel unsupported, marginalized, left out. We're dependent on the color of your skin. They're going to interpret whatever words come out of your mouth. You want to know why? Because we're not only not pursuing peace, we're not doing it with a holy heart. Because we ourselves need to be set free. There are weights and sin in our own lives that we've got to lay aside so that the message of Christ can come out and people can see the Lord Jesus, not our ideology, not our own agenda, not on our perspective. They need to see Jesus. And it's because we finally make a decision to pursue peace and holiness. Verse 15 says, looking carefully inward, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, let uh, lest any root of bitterness spring up and cause trouble. And by this many become defiled. For there, lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. Esau had a brother, Jacob. Jacob was the second born. Esau the firstborn. Esau was the one in line for the inheritance of God. He sold it out for a weak moment. He got hungry, led by his stomach instead of the spirit, sold his birthright, made the decision, and then got upset that he didn't get blessed and Jacob did. What Jacob did was wrong, yes, Jacob got the blessing. He became Israel, the nation that was great. But Esau, Esau, for you knew that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. Esau was a person who wanted to be forgiven by God wanted to see forgiveness, wanted to see things change, wanted the blessing of God in his life, like you and like me, wanted to run our race, but got tripped up in some way. And he couldn't get set free. He tried, he cried out, he says, with tears many times, sought it, but it never came his way. Why? Because there was a root of bitterness that had sprung up in his heart that had stopped his ability to hear from God, stopped his ability to receive from God, stopped his ability to receive the freedom that God wanted to send his way. 
Is it possible that we ourselves aren't able to walk in peace and we're not able to walk in holiness and show people Jesus because there's something in our lives that's holding us back. There's a weight and a sin and we need to lay it down. For Esau, it was bitterness. Esau became a country, Edom, the Edomites who were constantly at war. And you can read all through scripture, follow their journey. They began began a people that always fought with Israel, always fought, always fought, always fought. But generationally, there was a seed of bitterness that was sent from generation to generation. Jacob and Esau, they made up. They gave forgiveness and all those things, but there was still a seed of bitterness that stayed in that generation, in that nation. It literally destroyed them as a people, wiped them off. Because they never were able to fully embrace what God had for them. I pray that we would be a people that would be in pursuit for Jesus, that would lay aside every weight and every sin, no matter what it is, what it takes, we're willing to lay it aside so that God could speak life to us today. Will you stand with me this morning? What is it that the Holy Spirit is saying to you today? What is it? What, what's the weight? What's the sin? What's the thing? Here in just a second, Micah's, Michael's going to lead us in a song, and we're, we're going to worship the Lord. And in fact, I, I want to invite, I, I ask some of our leaders, your leaders, if, if it would be okay to do this. But um, if you're part of the ministry team here at Eastside, if you would go ahead and just begin to make your way in place this morning for me. As he sings this song, you may be here and say, you know what, I just need somebody to pray with me. There's something, there's a weight, there's a sin, there's something that I need to just kind of lay off to the side. You, you don't have to describe it in detail and give it, give it up. But while we sing, while we worship for just a few minutes, we're not going to take long. But man, if you need prayer today, that's what these people are here for. They just want to minister to you, love you, and encourage you a little bit. Would you bow your heads with me? I, I want to pray over you. God, I pray that today by your spirit you would speak something to each of us. God, we're not on a pursuit to be perfect. We're just on a pursuit of your presence, God. God, we, we don't want to be people that, that only are about holiness and we're never about peace. But God, we want to be people full of peace and full of holiness, God, so that people can see Jesus. Lord, you were both the perfect representation of grace and truth. Lord, there is a race that we're all on, but Lord, there are weights, there are sins, there are hindrances, there are, there are things that are holding us individually back. It might be an attitude, it might be a mindset, it might be a habit, it might be something. God, I say, Holy Spirit, speak to us right now in this moment. Reveal to us what those are. May we repent of those things and ask, Holy Spirit, that you would lead us. Show us some things. Father, speak to us in, in our time with you as we worship you. Give us new responses. God, speak to us in your word. Help us identify what the lie is. And Lord, may we, may we be people who walk free and free other people in the process. Father, minister to us today. Lord, I pray by your Holy Spirit, you would draw anybody who would need prayer, that they would come. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Once again, thank you for listening to the Eastside Church Podcast. If you have any questions or need more information, please visit our website, eastsidechurch.co.